Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. This is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, ring that notification bell, and you'll get notified when I post content each and every week. Uh, I've really been looking forward to this discussion today. Uh, my guest is science and technology journalist Fabrice DeLay. He is the author of the new book, The Medical Revolution of Messenger RNA which tells the dramatic story of the development of messenger RNA and its global impact on the creation of life-saving vaccines. Fabrice is based in Switzerland, and he is an editor of the magazine Balan. He's now a reporter at large for Heidi.News in Geneva. Fabrice, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello, Hedrick, and hello to your audience. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, sir. Very uh, happy to have such a distinguished guest today. So, Let's get right into it. Um, such an amazing story. So tell me about how you first got interested in telling this important story uh, about messenger RNA and why did you decide to write this book? So I'm following life sciences and you can imagine with the pandemic, we were uh, on the brink uh, writing every day about uh, everything that was happening, lockdowns or all of that. But in April, 2020, uh, I the, the the United States started with the warp speed uh, operation to develop uh, a vaccine as fast as possible, and I hear f- basically for the first time uh, about vaccine based on messenger RNA. And then I followed the story during the year, the development. I get uh, acquainted with BioNTech in Germany, with Moderna, who were the two companies developing this vaccine that has been selected by the US. And suddenly they, they they pop up really fast. It was uh, in July uh, 2020 as the two potential leaders because they were entering into phase three, the, the big clinical trial to prove uh, the, the, the thing. In uh, November, they get with the results. It was favorable. We were expecting for FDA to, uh, to grant uh, emergency authorization, which happened in December. And then you re- you rewind and and you are like my God it takes ten months to 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 develop that and uh, billions of people are going to uh, to be uh, uh, injected with uh, such vaccine uh, um, and uh, everybody was asking at that time how is it possible to it has take only uh, that ten months normally vaccine are developed over many many years. And I say, well, that's a pretty legitimate question. And then I start to understand the roots of this technology, where it was coming from, why we did not have been hearing a lot about it before. Moderna was not a very famous company. Only a few people know about it. BioNTech, even more. And uh, so I try to find the story uh, behind, like uh, for for my own information. And uh, I didn't find it. There was none. It has never been written. So I start to reconstitute, and soon I find myself into an incredible story with incredible characters, very strong personality, and also people that have been cited by the the pharma industry, by the mainstream science, which was all about DNA, which is a slightly different uh, molecules, even though there is relation between the two. 
and um, and you know broken careers, uh, people that have been uh, demoted at, in their university, uh, and still they stick to it. They, so some of them stick to it, and they step by step develop this uh, this uh, this science, fundamental science to start with. That is the roots or the basis of the of the technology, which came naturally a little bit after. And uh, so, yeah, I, I find myself with a, a pretty, I mean, I, I always say I try to write it a little bit as a thriller to 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 make it uh, easy, not too scientific, not too complex for people to understand. So it's very human oriented. The book is really about the people who did it. It's their story. And through their story, you understand the science. That's a little bit how it is, uh, how it is working. And then I published that for my journal into various episodes. There were like 10 episodes. And soon I was contacted to make a book uh, about it uh, in, in French to start with, to, 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 to transform those chapters, those articles into a book. And, uh, and also in a documentary, which I hope will be uh, available in the US in some months. And then with uh, Cold Spring Arbor Laboratory Press, who is uh, who has been also always involved in this uh, Cold Spring Arbor uh, Laboratory researcher, were involved in in this uh, in this long story, so they were interested in having uh, um, not too much of a science book, but more like uh, the story of the scientist. If it, it's more the story of the scientist than the story of the science, if, if you want. But um, you know, uh, through people, you can say a lot of things and uh, explain why they are hitting walls, how they how they, they they go through the obstacle. So that's a little bit of the genesis of this project. Uh, before we get to some of the characters and the interesting people in the book, let me ask you if, if you can briefly for folks, uh, lay people like myself, um, what is messenger RNA uh, and what is the medical significance of this development? So I have to go back uh, really at the roots of what is called molecular biology, which is certainly together with information technology has been the, the big driver of science for the last 60, 70 years. In 1953, uh, the DNA structure has been uh, discovered. So we know that in the cell, there is information that are basically coding for everything that is happening in the, in the body. We have uh, something like 37 trillions of cells in, uh, in our body as human, and each of them have this code. But on the other side, at the other side of the equation, if you want, we have proteins, even more numerous. And those proteins are very, very diverse. There's hundreds of thousands of them that are different, doing you know insulin that is allowing you to uh, uh, allowing your body to metabolize uh, what you eat, uh, uh, erythropoietin that is another protein that is transforming the oxygen that we breathe into something useful to oxidize basically into our blood cell, what we what what we need for to to get energy, etc. etc. Many uh, hundreds of thousands of them. And so the question was, how do you go from the memory, the, the DNA, which is the like the, the, the big compu central computer, into 
the protein, which is like the software, which is the things that do things or, or that would uh, run a video, if you if you take the analogy, there is something in between. To and this thing in between is messenger mRNA, messenger RNA. Sorry, it's a it's a, a, a it's a, a molecule that basically there's an enzyme that is triggered by what but information cells receive. This is what I need. I need insulin to ingest my uh, what I've been eating. So it will go and it will go to the gene sequence of the insulin. It will just take this sequence. You don't need the rest of the DNA. You just need the sequence for the for the for the insulin. The, mes the messenger RNA coding for the insulin production will go into a little factory we have in our cell, deliver the plan. This factory will make the protein, and then the protein will go in the body and do what it has to do. It's everything. While I'm speaking, just the word I say is produced by certain neurons that are going to 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 use this or that. I mean, it's 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 a very very central uh, thing in the body. So it's DNA make RNA. RNA makes proteins. It's the mantra of molecular biology. Um, let's talk about a couple of the, the notable people in the book uh, who were recently awarded a uh, Nobel Prize for their work. And this is such an amazing uh, discovery, and it, it literally saved thousands, if not millions, of people's lives around the, around the world. So this is not a small story. Um, yeah. Let me ask you now about uh, the scientists, Caitlin Carrico and Drew Wiseman. Tell me about their importance, uh, some of the struggles, and, and some of the things that you highlight in the book about their journey to ultimately receiving a Nobel Prize. So first, Caitlin Carrico was interested in, uh, in researching uh, messenger RNA for many, many years. But uh, for, from the 70s, from her study in the 70s. But she started in Hungary. And at some point in the beginning of the 80s, in Hungary, she was blocked in her research because first uh, there was problem with, you know, it was the end of the Soviet era and the, the economy was collapsing. So the program were not, the research program she was in were not maintained. And also she has problem to access uh, beyond the iron curtain to uh, colleagues and to, and to uh, also produce produce that produce product sorry that she would need for for her research so she decided to move in the united states in the mid uh, 80s and then she continued uh, her research but she hit a wall uh, literally because she was uh, it was the 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 golden age of dna and people was thinking that if you can control the DNA, which is the king of uh, on this chessboard, why would you need the messenger RNA that is just a pawn? It's just something that do you know a little. It, it's it's the messenger. It's it's something that do something, but it's not that important because if you control the king, you you yeah you 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 are you are mastering what you want. It will disappoint later, but at that time she has a hell of a time. She she has been spending two years writing grants uh, at their university. At that time she has joined uh, University of Pennsylvania, and uh, and she she didn't get those grants. Her, her career was really really into uh, um, a lot of stress. At the same time, Drew Weissman, 
who started at the at the lab in Bethesda, the National Institute of Health, as a researcher. It was the this time, beginning end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, it was AIDS. Everybody wanted to find a way to develop a vaccine for this terrible disease. And Drew Weissman was one of the leading researchers in that in that field, and he was trying to to develop uh, a vaccine for AIDS, but it's extremely complex because AIDS is a very difficult to target uh, virus because it mutates so much. It uses our body to mutate our our DNA to mutate, so it's constantly changing. It's very very difficult. It would be like you have to basically make a vaccine per person differently each time, so it's very very challenging. And so yeah, at the end of the 90s, they met. Uh, they, they, they were in the same department uh, at UPenn, and Drew Weissman has just arrived. And uh, they met, uh, and uh, Kathy Carico was, they, they were at the photocopy machine that, that they, they have their first encounter. And Drew Weissman didn't know exactly how to use the machine, uh, what was the rule of the university. So she explained him, and then they start discussing. And uh, she started bragging about her uh, about her messenger RNA that it would be uh, awesome to do uh, a vaccine with it. And then because it was in vaccine development, he said, "Why everything else is not working? So why not trying to 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 find a way with that?" Soon after they or soon after some years, when you say soon in science, generally it's one, two, three, four years. But right. anyway. They, they started to develop uh, mRNA, but they discover something that has been observed before, is that uh, when they were using those uh, messenger RNA to deliver this piece of information, they wanted to code a specific protein of a virus, they were obtaining inflammatory reactions that were not expected. And basically, this inflammatory reaction makes this candidate vaccine inefficient. They, they destroy it before it does its job. So they have been starting to look at what could have been the, the mechanism. And uh, at the time they discover there is a protein, I'm not going to go into the detail there sure. for to read in the book, but uh, they basically discover a certain mechanism and they discover a way to sort of uh, go around this mechanism. And they published it in 2005 in not a very prestigious journal. I think it was the Journal of Immunotherapy, which is a good journal, but it's not like science or nature. And um, they were expecting everybody would be uh, calling them. Drew Weissman told Cathy that uh, they have to expect a lot of call when the article uh, would have been published. And there was no call. Nobody was interested. And so they were pretty disappointed. They try at the time to make uh, UPenn take a, a patent on the on the invention. They tried to develop a company, but didn't work. And they basically were lacking. So you have to imagine you have the the messenger RNA, which is very fragile. It is something that is destroying the body within minutes. Normally, there is other proteins that are made to destroy. And so you need to protect it. And to protect it, you are using uh, some kind of liposome, it's called, or or now they call them 
lipid nanoparticles, which is basically grease that you put around the, the, the thing to protect it and to also allow it to, to better uh, function in the body. And this technology was developed in Vancouver in, in Canada, but there was a big fight there between uh, the inventors and companies and etc. And they were not able to put their hand onto this technology before the mid-2010, uh, uh, like in 2014, 2015. And uh, so they, 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 they get, uh, you know, uh, delayed a lot by by that but the companies that has been developing that in Canada they 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 they, they find out their fights sort of quite and other were developing and moderna and uh, but there's still a lot of uh, uh, patent fights in, sure. in this in this environment yes. sure i had a question about that coming up later too by the way yeah, sure. <laughs> So oh, that's sorry. the contribution, and and if I can say, I've been meeting them uh, on many many occasions. You cannot imagine more different character than Katy and Drew. Drew is I. <clears throat> the first time I spoke with him, it was unbelievable. It's the first person I know that when he's ending a phrase, you can literally hear the point. At the end of the phrase, is 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 there's no more words. <laughs> yes, say what he has is to do. While Katy is incredibly outspoken, uh, she's she's uh, very very uh, empathic and very sympathetic and very passionate. So very different uh, character, but complementary, I believe. Going through the struggles they went through um, when you heard that they had. Uh, been awarded the Nobel Prize for their work. How did you feel? And and did you reach out to them? Did you have conversations with them after they had, they'd won? Yes, uh, with Katy, not with Drew. But uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was an amazing thing because they have such a, a, a difficult time for for so many years. People saying to them it was it's a dead end. You will never succeed, and etc. So this recognition is. Uh, is extreme. And Cathy says something that is very important, and I think Drew thinks exactly the same. It's they get the Nobel Prize, they have a major contribution that has been particularly useful for vac for, for vaccine development, for prophylactic vaccine development. But mRNA can be used in other in, for cancer, for different. So so there it's a little bit different technology, but uh, they say it's a collective enterprise. There's so many people involved. It's it's. Uh, I think for the book, I've uh, interviewed something like sixty people, and uh, I could have uh, interviewed six hundred uh, or maybe more. That has been at some point, you know, a little contribution there might be a mistake, but when you have uh, something that's it's a failure, well, at least you've closed that 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 track you you know it's not the right direction and other can build on that and say okay so why don't we try this now and so i think it's uh, it's important that she mentioned that there's a lot of people that has been involved in this uh, in this research over time um you mentioned patents earlier and that that lead me leads me to a question i have about that because typically in these types of advancements in science or discoveries, uh, there tends to be fights <laughs> over ownership of the patents, who owns it, who owns the technology, so forth and so on. <clears throat> Can yeah. you shed light on the current status of the patents 
surrounding messenger RNA, uh, given some of the past legal challenges? And, um, you know, what are some of the issues around intellectual property, particularly around applications and use for vaccine development? Yeah, so the, the well, first thing is some patents have a certain uh, lifespan, typically 20 years. So everything that is older than 20 years is now in public domain. I was mentioning this uh, publication uh, by Cathy and Drew in, in 2005. It basically means that in 2025, in fact, in 2024, because the patent UPenn passed, will be in public domain. Everybody can use it. So, so it's the end of the patent fight. But yes, there is a lot of, uh, they, they mostly are around those sleeping nanoparticles now because the mRNA technology is quite established. And uh, uh, as how you synthesize mRNA, how you, you code them, all of that has been done over the last 30 years, 35 years. So it's okay. This, this is not so much of an issue. What is an issue is really the delivery mechanism and there and, and, and there, there will be a lot of research that is still necessary to enlarge the potential of mRNA to other uh, diseases like cancer, like uh, cardiovascular disease. The, the potential of mRNA is extremely wide because it's an information technology, basically. Basic, we, we are made of ourselves are made of proteins. So it's any proteins you can you can produce. So I, I was giving you the example of insulin. So remember that uh, when insulin was produced, it's it's not produced inside the body. The, the, to produce insulin uh, with uh, bio, modern biotechnology, you use uh, bioreactors and you you code DNA. In, into some uh, organism that produce the insulin for you, you harvest it and then you give it to people. But imagine now you can send something in in an uh, 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 mRNA, sorry, and then and say, oh mRNA, please produce uh, this uh, this insulin for me. So insulin won't be maybe the best example because you need so much quantity and also it's time sensitive. You don't need it all the time. You need it when you have been uh, eating. So you will have something like a switch. So it's it's kind of a tricky thing to create that switch. But for people with diabetes, that would be uh, uh, absolutely extraordinary. But there is it's it's a it's a difficult one for 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 mRNAs. This one, while for cancer, there's no doubt. Cancer is basically, you know, we develop cancer all our life, as a matter of fact, but we don't know because our immune system take care of it. When, it's, when the immune system sees that there is cells that are starting to be abnormal, you just kill it. But the cancer has a way of hiding from the immune system at some point. And then it's, it is when it develops. So if you are able to code for these proteins that are signaling to the immune system, hey, this one is abnormal, wake up and do something about it, I mean, I'm caricaturing, but it's basically sure. what it is. Then you you will be able to uh, to to address uh, uh, cancer, and there's already a lot of uh, of of research there. But in this case, you have a fight between CureVac, who is uh, who started with uh, cancer vaccine, 
And BioNTech, there is a, a trial that is going on because uh, CureVac is saying to BioNTech, oh, you, you take things that were our, uh, our intellectual property. Uh, you know, that's life in, uh, in this uh, biotechnology, pharmaceutical world. There's a lot of uh, uh, intellectual property fights. Um, another question for you, if I can, um, usually scientific developments, uh, things that get rolled out to the public, to the, you know, the masses at times there are ethical challenges or ethical concerns on behalf of either, you know, the, the consumer or behalf of whoever, um, what are some of the ethical concerns, if any, uh, around messenger RNA? And, uh, do you think these will become further evident down the road? Or do you think maybe some of these ethical challenges can be worked out? I mean, I think, the, well, there is two types of ethical issue there. One is has to do with patient safety. And um, when it comes to mRNA in patient safety, what you would, what some people would point is the risk of gene integration. Hmm. But in the case of mRNA, you are not using gene. It's not like a DNA therapy or gene therapy where you are sending information inside the nucleus. You never go in the nucleus with mRNA. You stay in the cell. And so the chance that there is integration, I, I cannot say they're nil because, unfortunately, there is one mechanism which is basically something that that is uh, very uh, that the, the the AIDS virus is HIV virus is very good at using it's called reverse transcriptase it's exceptional the chances are super 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 tiny but you can never say zero zero but they are extremely tiny so on this side the risks are to me, the, the biotic, the ethical question are very, very limited. It's, it's, it, frankly, it's, it's, a, it's almost a non-issue. <laughs> then there is side effects. I tend to believe there is side effects with the vaccine. It's, uh, it cannot be stated uh, otherwise. Like there is side effect with basically every drugs, every medical product. That's that's part of life. Certain people react differently than all, that most of, of them. In this case, the ethical debate is about what they call risk-benefit balance. It's there is some risk, but if at the end there is much more risk of letting the, the virus free, you will have much more people with very bad, not only side effects, those people will die. Massively, twenty million uh, in in the case of uh, of COVID. So you know, it's a question. It's, I know it's a very difficult question because for the people who suffer the side effect, it's terrible. It's it's uh, it's uh, you know they are suffering something. Like in some cases, it has been uh, associated with some cardio condition, not lasting ones, but still existing. And for those people, when you tell them, yeah, but you have saved other people, they say, well, yeah, but I'm suffering. So, you know, they, they don't like it. Understandable. So that's where the ethical debate is with, um, with side effects. And finally, there is a big ethical debate. I think it's the most important one. It has to do with fair uh, access, with uh, equality. Uh, we, <clears throat> in June 2020, the... WHO, the, the, the World Health Organization, 
gather a meeting in uh, in uh, it was a Zoom meeting, but uh, uh, with all the head of state, uh, all the head of state for, for, for from the world or the minister of uh, of health, and everybody say, okay, we are going to do like this. We are going to it will be country independent. We don't care about who gets first in terms of country. What is important is that first we are protecting the pers- the people the most at risk which mean frontline work frontline workers and elderly people with weak or, or, or immunodepressed people people that have a weak immune system that were the most people at risk we didn't do that when we got the vaccine americans say we are vaccinating the american first uh, the the french or the swiss or all the same, all the rich country vaccinated their population first. And the poor country, you know, they get it much later. This is not something acceptable. And it, the ethical debate is not only because it's unfair to, to, to these people, but it's also because it's stupid. Because what you want is to stop the epidemic. And to stop the epidemic, you have to make the people the most at risk protected as fast as you can because protecting them is protecting yourself it's that's how it works in epidemic it's it's different than other type of disease in this case you have because the, the disease is infectious the more virus there is the, the most dangerous it is for everybody so you want to stop it as soon as possible so i hope that now there is a initiative uh from WHO and others to have, uh, or even Moderna and, and BioNTech are also doing things, for example, in, in Africa or Southeast Asia for for people to be able to access uh, rapidly uh, efficient vaccine. There is even super, uh, they are even thinking of fast response because mRNA vaccines are quite easy to produce there is development that you can basically have sort of uh, <clears throat> transportable uh, vaccine manufacturing operation, and you will be able to send them where the where the where the the, the epidemic is starting. So, if you rethink of COVID, instead of vaccinating uh, uh, the planet, you will just vaccinate the area of Wuhan where it started, and it stopped there. You know that would be the most efficient way, but it's it's still futuristic <laughs> and political <laughs> and political and yeah. political yeah. and political. Yes, sir. Uh, well, Fabrice, uh, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to thank talk you. to me here on the Edric Show. The book is titled "The Medical Revolution of Messenger RNA" by Fabrice Delay. It is probably one of the most important stories uh, currently on the planet, and I don't say that with any hyperbole. I think that's true. Uh, particularly moving forward because these applications will have um, developments and impacts on humans <laughs> down the road. So the story, uh, you're almost like just starting the story. Uh, there's much more to, much yeah. more to say about this. Yeah. Thank you very much, Hedrick. You're and, very uh, welcome. You're very welcome. This has been, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, if people want to get a copy of the book, more information about you, uh, where can they go? Oh, they can go on to the CHL. Uh, no, it's uh, CHL, uh, no, Cold Spring, sorry, Cold Spring Arbor Laboratory Press website where there is the, where the, there is a link where they can order the book. And I, 
they can ask their librarian uh, about it and uh, and order it. Uh, I, you can find it on Amazon on uh, Barnes and Nobles, and you know the classical uh, the classical way. Sure. Or on the, on the Cold Spring Arbor Laboratory website. Excellent, excellent. Fabrice Delay, author of the Medical Revolution of Messenger RNA. Again, thank you so much for being on the Edric Show. Thank you very much. This has been another edition of the Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. As promised, this is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Ring that notification bell. You'll get notified when I post content each and every week. I want to thank you for tuning in, and I will catch you on the next episode.